Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, report were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the cats. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Good morning, everybody. Dick Gabriel sitting in for The Voice. Tom's got uh, today off, so we will happily sit in for Tom and talk sports with you here on the Leach Report, as Tom does each and every morning. And another full show coming up as Tom has lined up a number of fine guests, including Van Hiles, former Kentucky defensive back, who breaks down Kentucky video on social media and has developed quite a following from his home. He's back down in his home state of Louisiana. Rachel Lawson, U.K. softball coach, will join us just ahead of the team's weekend series. It wraps up, or is close to wrapping up, the regular season. It's hard to believe the softball regular season is almost over. And John Lewis from WDRB in Louisville will join us as well. John has covered both U.K. and UofL for many, many years from both ends of the interstate. So we are happy to get started here on the Leach Report. And, of course, as always, we begin with Wildcat News of the Day. Links to these stories presented on the Leach Report page, the Bud Light Leach Report page, by the way, at TomLeachKY.com. And as I mentioned, softball wrapping up the home portion of its conference schedule. Mississippi State in town to open up a series that begins tonight at 6 p.m. You'll see it on SEC Network+. Plus. Tomorrow is Senior Day. It's a 3 o'clock start at John Crop Stadium. If you'd like to go, Senior Day ceremonies are at 2.45. Sunday, the getaway day game is at 1 o'clock. And after that, the Wildcats head to South Carolina on Derby Weekend to wrap up the regular season portion of their schedule. The SEC tournament begins May 10th. That's Tuesday. It's in Gainesville, Florida. That happens to be where the baseball Wildcats will be playing this weekend. They open up a three-game set with the Gators tonight at 6.30 in Gainesville. You can hear it on the U.K. Sports Network on most of these same stations. You can see it on SEC Plus on the first two days and then on the SEC Network on Game 3 on Sunday. So it's a 6.30 start tonight, 6.15 pregame with Darren Hedrick. And what's interesting about this, of course, the the baseball Wildcats have suffered with injuries. Their top two starting pitchers are out for the season. They've had other injuries that have sidelined some really vital players. Everybody deals with injuries. Kentucky right now 6-12 and in conference play, still with a shot, a good shot, at making the SEC tournament, which means making the NCAA tournament for the most part. But what's odd is Florida, which is generally – one of the consistent powers in the SEC, <clears throat> excuse me, is six and twelve as well. So they will be battling for tie the tiebreaker if they happen to end up 
with identical records in the SEC standing. So uh, all SEC series are huge. This one even bigger because of that. It is official. Antonio Reeves now is a Wildcat. He is the transfer from Illinois State, 6'6". He's listed at 185. I saw another listing that had him at 160. I hope that was just a typo because if he's going into his fourth year of college basketball at age or at the uh, height or I'll get it uh, at weight 160, he has either been beaten up a lot or is about to be beaten up a lot in the SEC. But I've got to hope that he's at least 180 at uh, a height of six foot six. Still, he averaged 20 points. Three and a half rebounds and almost two assists per game as a junior with the Redbirds. But it's official. His paperwork is in, and he is now officially a Kentucky Wildcat. Leach Report comes to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop studio. We're back with Van Hiles in just a minute here on the Leach Report. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can follow Tom on Twitter. It's at Tom Leach KY. Welcome back to the Leach Report. Dick Gabriel sitting in for the voice of the Wildcats. And let us welcome in our first guest of the morning. He is a former Kentucky defensive back, but a Wildcat through and through. He is Van Hiles, who now keeps an eye on his beloved Wildcats and breaks down video on social media and has a lot of fun doing it. We have a lot of fun talking with Van on the radio. Good morning, Van. How are you? I'm doing excellent. It's a great day to be a cat. Hopefully things work out this evening. We get a lot of guys drafted. Well, we were going to talk about that a little bit as well as the Kentucky team, but let me ask you, are you a little bleary-eyed? Did you stay up through the entire first round last night? <laughs> yes, I did. Uh, you know, it's it's exciting to, to go through that moment and, um, it was exciting to to see all these trades and all these guys move around. It was, it was a crazy day last night, crazier than I thought it would be. Van is an NFL veteran himself, and so he knows the dream of playing in the National Football League. But, yeah, uh, there were trades. There were odd moves. Uh, did you grow up a uh, New Orleans Saints guy? No, I did not. I actually grew up a 49er fan. My, ah. my family is from Mississippi, so I, I was a Jerry Rice fan. Yeah. And when yeah. they picked up Jerry Rice, I became a 49er fan. Gotcha. Uh, anything in particular? Well, let me start off, first of all, by asking about my beloved Green Bay Packers, who may have disappointed some people by not taking a wide receiver. Uh, but, Van, I say we because I'm a stockholder. Um, right. We, we take two defenders, not just two defenders, both from the Georgia Bulldogs. Tell me how excited I should be about that. Wow. <laughs> That's tough to say because it's a known thing. The Packers never take an offensive, <laughs> offensive player with Rodgers as the quarterback. I'm shocked they didn't take a receiver after after losing their stud that they went defense again. But the thing about it, though, you do have to stop people. So, And they did get two really good players. I'm just shocked one of them wasn't a wide receiver. Yeah, but I did wonder who might be available. First pick was at number 22 because, getting back to – your first comment, uh, how shocking a lot of things were and the fact that so many wide receivers went. This was the wide receiver draft, wasn't it? Yes, it was. I And the thing about it is I, I hope that helps Wondell and it doesn't hurt him. I yeah. can see it either way. I can see him now. I thought he could slip into the second. 
but I'm not sure if if teams need wide receivers in the second because someone moved up to the first. So um, it's going to be interesting to to see how that plays out because that's the thing about the draft. You never know how it's going to play out uh, until you see guys and see what teams do with trades and moving up and moving down because the team who might might have been slotted for in the second round now moved up and got somebody else, and now they might not have that spot or they might not need you now. Uh, yeah, and that was going to be my next question. Now that people have fulfilled needs, at least in that first round, what's left out there? But my greatest concern for Wandale, and, and you've been there, uh, you know, they, they, it's the, the meat parade where they measure everything, and, you know, he has the shortest wingspan, and they're not crazy about the size of his hands. And it's always frustrating for fans when we witness that process. I can't imagine what it's like for you players. But to sit back and, and, and read about all that, and you wonder, do they not watch video? So are you concerned about about Wandale and the fact that, that he is a bit diminutive? No, I'm, I'm definitely not concerned. It's, the NFL is weird because there's a perception deal. The first rounder has to be an extreme athlete. That's why Quay Walker went before Dean went for Georgia. And Dean had a much better college career than Quay Walker, but um, Dean didn't have the numbers and the measurables. He's under six feet. He's a four seven. Quay, Quay is bigger, faster, taller, all this stuff. So the first round, you got to have those those attributes. And I think Wondell is going to have a good career. He just won't be a – probably won't be a second rounder. I think now with the run of wide receivers in the first round, he's got to hope for a third round. Yeah. Um, and – there's not. Here's the deal. Once you get in the NFL, that's all you want. And I think he's going to work hard. He's going to show his ability. And he's going to have a career. He just he, he just will have round two or three in the front of his name in 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 the history. Yeah, and it's obviously as well vital that he get to the right team. Exactly, and it's, sometimes it's better to to go in the in the second or third for a couple of reasons. Is first you have a chip on your shoulder. And second, like you said, there's a team who really wants you in that round. Um, they're not they're not getting you on potential. They're getting you on the best player available. What are the odds that Luke Fortner goes ahead of all the other Wildcats? I doubt that. I think either Pascal or Kennard um, is going to go first. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure when. I'm. This is. I want Pascal to go to the Bears. Um, I think they need. <laughs> and, and the funny part about it is, I think they need him as a. He, he can play a three tech, or he can play the defensive end. They need him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be yeah. That would be Van's old team. So I can understand that. Uh, but I know Luke Forkner's stock uh, has risen quite a bit, and he is uh, a guy who can play multiple positions, which, as you know, they love in the National Football League. Uh, one other yes, he, question. Go ahead. No, no, he's he's definitely going to go higher than what he would have went last year. The, the people need to understand the NFL; they only care about seven or eight guys on on game day active. So one or two of those guys have to be a very flexible guy who can swing from guard to center or guard to tackle. And Fortner's ability to play center and guard is why he's going to go higher. Yeah. And before I get you to the break, where do you see Kennard playing in the league? Is he a guard or a tackle in the NFL? I, I think he's gonna. They're gonna. Here's the deal. He's a swing guy. That's another thing that's attractive. He's probably gonna start at guard and can play right tackle. That's the way I see it. 
Well, as long as they like him in either one. Uh, exactly. As long as he can play both. Yeah, exactly. Van Hiles, our guest. We'll come back and talk about the current Wildcats on the other side of the break from the Clark's Pump and Shop studio. This is the Leash Report. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Coming up next, it's Kentucky Sports Radio with Matt Jones. Welcome back to the Leach Report. Dick Gabriel sitting in for The Voice. We're chatting with Van Hiles, a former Wildcat, who breaks down Kentucky video and talks Wildcats on social media. And Van, you and I have spoken on my show many, many times about the upcoming edition of this Kentucky football team. And obviously, as we talked about the draft to uh, to open up the show this morning, you know there are a lot of talented Wildcats who have moved on. But they are they are they basically to the point where they're reloading? Because that's, that's what we've always said through the years about other programs. Has Kentucky reached that point, in your opinion? Definitely. Uh, you, you saw the recruiting class this coming season. It's, it's remarkable for an old guy like myself to to understand that kids now, they only know 2018. And 2018 was a 10-1 season. They don't understand the history, the ebbs and flows, uh, more of the down ride of the program when I was playing yeah. to now. So now kids are, are, are really looking forward to coming to Kentucky to play because of the last four years of history with two 10-1 seasons. So, yes, this is a reload. That 2020 year was a great recruiting class. Then we come back with a 2022 year with a great recruiting class. These these young kids only know Craft Center and Tim Wins, and, and that's why we can reload. You know, it's funny. The first class in the Mark Stoops era that I recall people really going bonk, bonkers for was that 2014 class. Right. There were there were some great players. It didn't entirely work out. That Really, the next year was, was uh, turned out to be even better, but – that goes back, man, that goes back eight years. That tells you how long they've really been consistently uh, evaluating and recruiting. What did you like the most about the spring It's a spring game, scrimmage, whatever they wanted to call it? Um, first thing is getting out of that thing healthy. Um, to, to me, being a DB, the spring game is a glorified 7-on-7 seven seven for, for defensive backs because yeah. you, you don't want to hurt your teammates. So um, I think Will has, has shown he's progressing with his footwork. Um, he's, he's progressing with his, his confidence in the offense, and that was huge. Um, on defense, I, you really can't get that much for me because you can't sack the quarterback. You have to be careful. So I think there's a lot of talent on defense. I don't think you can re- it really shows itself in a spring game. But offensively with Robinson – and with Dane Key showing up, and we still got guys who we still have three or four receivers that are not even on campus. So I think the the talent level and the depth that we have in that wide receiver room is amazing compared to what it was a few years ago. You made a living covering wide receivers. What were your thoughts about Dane Key? Because he came away uh, a lot of people raving about him after that, really before the game, but especially after. Um, I'm not shocked. I, I played with his with his dad. Yeah. When you are uh, a coach's son, you understand the mental aspect of the game, and to have the and, and Dante was a unicorn as a, as a linebacker back in the early '90s, a guy who was 
six three, six four, who can run, who had great hips, um, as a linebacker, and his son, both his sons have those attributes. So I'm not shocked physically that he's as good. But the thing about college football is that everybody is pretty much great physically. Yeah. It's the mental game that's the difference, and I think that's the difference between game uh, between Dane and other freshmen at that position is he understands the actual game more than most freshmen. Yeah, that's the comment I've made most about what I saw from him in that game, Van. He looked very comfortable. He looked very poised for a guy who should still be in high school. Right. When when you get that extra training at home, I'm sure it's not all the time, but when you can sit down with your dad and say, okay, what are the linebackers thinking right now? Yeah. What are the safeties thinking right now? It It is such a big advantage. And, and and that is what is the 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 big bump for him is that he already knows that now and now um, uh, Coach Wood doesn't have to worry about that and trying to explain that to him because he already gets it. You mentioned Will Levis. His first throw was a checkdown, was to Chris Rodriguez, and he said, uh, "Will said that's what I need to work on." I talked to him after the game, and and he said that's something I really need to work on in the spring. And in the summer, even more vital, Van, because of this particular offense, isn't it? Yeah, and 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 teams are now are going to respect the downfield passes more. And sometimes there's gonna be moments where he wants to squeeze into a tight window. And in some situations, time and in position where you need to check it down and and get ahead of the chains. So it's gonna be interesting to see in a real game when the adrenaline starts pumping, will it be able to calm himself down and not throw into a tight window and throw to Jatan or C-Rod or Smoke or Lavelle out in the flats and at least get us four to five yards and now win second and sixth or third and two. And if he is successful, obviously that means fewer interceptions, which was the biggest knock on him, wasn't it? it fewer interceptions and more opportunities. The thing about it, when you throw to the, to the back of the flats and you keep moving the chains, that gives you more opportunities later in that drive to potentially throw it downfield. I think that's the hardest thing a quarterback to understand is let's get first downs and not worry about getting the, the chunk play and getting the touchdown right now because that's a harder throw. Let's move the chains, make the defense tired, and give our defense a rest. You think you'll see fewer running plays from Will? You think that they'll, he'll take care of himself a little bit more? Now, that's interesting because uh, – they did that last year where they, they held them back for well, the first six, seven games in the end of the season. You started running. I'm interested to see how Scangarello feels about that compared to Liam. Yeah. It also says a lot about how comfortable they feel with their backup. Yeah. If, okay. if Will starts running early, that means they feel, they feel really good with Bo or the, the guy from Iowa coming in if, in case something happens. Van, great talking to you, and I'll talk to you on my show coming up uh, in the next few days. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. That's Van Hiles, former Wildcat, and we're back with more of the Leaf Report. You're tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the Cats. Dick Gabriel in for the voice of the Wildcats, coming to you from the Clark Pumpkin Shop studio. We welcome our next guest, UK softball coach Rachel Lawson, whose team closes out the home portion of its SEC schedule this evening, beginning a three-game set with Mississippi State at John Crop Stadium. Good morning, Coach. 
Good morning. How are you? I'm well. I can't believe that this is it for the regular season home games at John Crop Stadium. It, just, it seemed like just yesterday you all were opening up. Did it, does it go by that quickly for a coach? Yeah, it's just gone by fast. I think it's because we've all had just such a long winter. So by the time the weather changed, it doesn't seem we've had many softball games in, in you know, in the sunshine, really. Yeah, that's true. And John Crop is a great place to see softball, and there's a chance we'll see postseason softball. But uh, you got it. You've got to finish strong, don't you, Coach? Yeah, it's important we finish strong. Right now, we are you know we're a bubble team to host the NCAA tournament. Um, so we got two series left, and, and if we can do well in those, I think that you know we have a shot of being selected for the committee. And, and it's just also to you know you know important to finish strong so that we can have some momentum going into yeah. the postseason. You stumbled through that Mizzou series, obviously, uh, and then bounced back with a win on Tuesday. But but tell me what was going on last weekend. I know you had some pitching issues. You you struggled with that at times during the season, but that was a bit of a surprise. I got to think you and your staff were pretty disappointed. I'm sorry, I kind of I'm kind of losing you a little bit. What was the question again? Uh, the question was when you look back at the Missouri series could you put your finger on one particular thing that broke down yeah you know um i'm not sure if i'm answering your question but the missouri series was tough you know we're trying right now trying to figure out what the pitching staff is going to look like moving into the postseason so you know we're, we're trying some new things we we brought a reliever to start which has been tatum spangler who's been awesome coming out of the pen she's just got so many key wins for us so, you know, instead of putting her in all three games, you know, we, we saved her up, gave her a start to see how that worked. And, you know, she certainly did really well in her outings. And we had some good innings out of the other people, but we really needed that relief. So the scores kind of got out of hand and, and uh, stuff like that. So we just got to figure out how to tighten up the pitching staff. I think that will help the offense relax a little bit and then, you know, get some momentum moving forward. You have a team with veterans, with young talent. It's a really good mix. What is the confidence level like right now in your ball club? The confidence, I'll tell you, it's it's tough. Um, you know, overall, we're a very, very young team um, with only one super senior, and, and she's a speedster, you know, Lauren Johnson out in the outfield. Yeah. But a lot of what you're seeing in the conference this year is not only you're seeing a ton of super seniors that are very strong and very big, but you're also seeing, you know, the perfect storm with the transfer portal. So you're you're seeing lineups that have, you know, five and six super seniors. You know, these girls are 24 years old. I mean, heck, we've even played two people where the, the players are married. And, you know, not that it's, you know, you certainly can get married when you're younger, but that's, that's not the common thing here. And, and, you know, a couple of the players are in their sixth year. Many of them are in their fifth year. And then you got our Aaron Koppel, who's just outstanding, who's a true sophomore. So, you know, when there's a three- to four-year age gap, that, that's just such a big thing when there's size. And, you know, this probably isn't the year we wanted to go in with having an inexperienced pitching staff. But I've been really proud of the girls because we're holding our own um, despite our age and inexperience. And, and, you know, we've positioned ourselves for another postseason if we can finish strong. You talk about the super seniors, a reference, of course, to the COVID year that everybody gets. Not everybody accepted it, but many, many kids have. How has that affected your recruiting? Well, you know, it's funny because a lot of our girls are going off to medical school and they're, you know, 
going off to other graduate-type programs and stuff like that. So they didn't really, as much as they wanted to play softball, they really didn't want to add an additional academic year onto their to their load. You know, it's expensive. Softball's not a head-count sport, so, you know, they're paying quite a bit of their, their school. You know, there's just a lot of things going on right there. So for us, you know, because we're such a high academic team, we've had our people move on. So essentially, with COVID, we're... We've aged in the middle of things, whereas other people, if somebody's more, you know, leaning towards a situation where they want to coach or go into teaching or something where they already would have had a fifth year, it makes sense for those players to come back. So, you know, from a recruiting standpoint, I don't know how much it's, you know, affected our recruiting per se, but we certainly haven't had the, uh, you know, the scholarship openings that I would have liked to have to be more aggressive in the transfer portal. Mississippi State coming up, uh, and that's it, it's all every SEC series is tough, I know. But uh, how challenging will this one be this weekend? Yeah, it's it's been a challenge just because of the age and the, I'll tell you the age and the size and the speed of the people. But again, I'm real proud of how the team is hanging in there. You know, going into the year, I didn't know how it would go. So when we, you know, when we were able to start strong in the SEC, I thought that was a great thing. And, and what it allowed us to do is give us a little bit of cushion to position us to, to make a postseason run. Coach, thank you so much. Best of luck. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good one. That's Rachel Lawson, Thanks. Kentucky softball coach. Back to talk with John Lewis in just a minute here on the Leach Report. From the Clark Pumpkin Shop studio, Next guest is a longtime buddy. He is John Lewis, WDRB, over in Louisville. Has covered both the Cats and the Cards for quite some time. John, good morning. Do we have John? Let us try John again. John, are you there? All right, we will try to reach John again. John, if memory serves, is a Seattle Seahawks fan, so we'll find out how John feels about what his team did in the draft. My team, the Green Bay Packers, drafted two players from that vaunted Georgia defense. But you know what's interesting as well is the uh, the, the quarterback picture. It was not quarterback heavy. It was wide receiver heavy. Maybe we'll see more QBs beginning tonight. John Lewis, are you there? Well, still working on him. It should be working. Uh, we can hear him, but we and we can hear him breathing, but we'll keep trying to bring him in. I was going to talk about the fact that Malik Willis is an intriguing pick for somebody. He is the guy who excelled at Liberty, did not play at the highest level when he put up his best numbers, but people forget he began his career at Auburn and actually played three seasons. Well, he was on the team for three seasons. He was hoping to knock Jared Stidham out of the starting job, but did not really get a chance to win the job. So he ends up competing with Bo Nix and Joey Gatewood. Now, Willis is six feet tall. Nix and Gatewood both 6'3". And oftentimes that puts you way behind more than it should. Keep in mind, Michael Vick was only six feet tall. Now, he had an incredible set of skills, no question. But uh, just because you're six feet tall doesn't mean that you are going to, you know, be a quarterback flop or struggle. And keep in mind, Bo Nix 
uh, you know, he kind of washed out at Auburn. Now he's at Oregon. Joey Gatewood's at his third school and is moving to receiver. So looking back at Gus Malzahn's decision to go with one of those guys, I guess up front you could kind of understand it, but I didn't get to see, of course, spring practice or whatever at Auburn with uh, with Malik Willis. But this is the guy who's going to get a much better shot at the NFL. I don't know if he makes it, but he'll get a better shot, ironically enough, than Bo Nix and Joey Gatewood ever will. And I don't wish any ill will to those guys, but it took Hugh Freeze uh, getting a, a second little chance at life and coaching at Liberty, the guy who washed out at Ole Miss because of NCAA violations. Uh, and he's a close friend of Gus Malzahn, who vouched for Willis and compared him to uh, Nick Marshall, who was a smallish quarterback but had a big arm and helped Auburn win the SEC title on the way to that runner-up finish in 2013. And, you know, Malzahn apparently joked that Freeze might make Malzahn look like a fool for working with Nixon Gatewood, and certainly it looks that way right now. So that's what's really interesting about the the, uh, draft and the NFL and stuff like that. So uh, keep an eye on that, and maybe it works out. Maybe it works out for Willis. All right, we're going to try one more time with John. John, are you there? I got you. All right, good deal. All right, we're pumping you a little more, a little more volume your way. So, all thanks right, for joining Perfect. us. Uh, your your Seahawks, were you happy with uh, what they're doing? Well, <laughs> you know, first round, I, I joked last night. They never have like that. You know, they don't have the sexy pick in the first in the first round because they uh, they just don't build through the draft a lot. They do it later round. So they got an offensive tackle. That's fine, protecting whatever quarterback that I hope they pick up tonight. <laughs> And, and real quickly, tell everybody, you've told me on my show, but why, why in the world is a guy from Hyden, Kentucky, you went to Kentucky Wesleyan, you worked in uh, Hazard, Lexington, Louisville, why a Seahawks fan? Uh, because I've been a glutton for punishment since the 80s. But uh, really, I just kind of, when I really started to watch the NFL, um, believe it or not, even in the 80s, there was a time there where the Seahawks were really good and fun to watch. And at that time, <laughs> this will tell you how, how long ago it was, at that time we had one of those giant satellite dishes in our yard, oh, okay. and you could pick up NFL games completely unscrambled if you knew where to look. Well, I knew where to look, and we could watch. Uh, I could watch all the games on uh, on one of the transponders. I found the NBC transponder who had the AFC package at the time because the Seahawks were in the AFC. And uh, to make a long story short and more boring, I actually uh, started to watch them. They were fun to watch, and I yeah. just I got on the bandwagon and just suffered through the nineties, and uh, <laughs> it, it paid off finally in about the two thousand. And as I informed you, their radio guy is a Louisville native and a Trinity High School product, Steve Rabel. Uh, who, uh, I was actually in school with Steve. Uh, we overlapped a couple years. I went to Georgia Tech and uh, was drafted by the Seahawks and stayed out there. And now is a much beloved media person. So in a backhanded way, it makes some sense. Let me talk to you a little <laughs> bit about what's going on with the basketball programs you cover. But first of all, a word... Uh, yesterday we all find out Kenny Klein is retiring. And this means everything to us media people. Uh, most people are like, eh, well, eh, you know. But uh, for, for those of us who have covered, I go back to when he was at Moorhead State. Uh, before he now that's a while. It is a while. Uh, but you talk about a class act and one of the all-time best. Well, and the thing about Kenny Klein is you're right. He, he's been, uh, I mean, SIDs for 
local media and national media too. They are the guys who, um, I mean, they're the, one of the most important contacts you can have because if they trust you and they can, they can, they can give you access, they can give you stories and they're just, and, but Kenny Klein overall, more than any of that, that he did that for us, he's just a really good guy. Yeah. And, uh, there is no question that he has earned his, uh, the jewels in his crown for what he has gone through just in the last, I don't know, what, 15 years with yeah. UofL basketball and football. And he handled that with such grace. And, you know, I think he's still friends with a lot of people uh, that, 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 you know, caused him some, frankly, caused him a lot of pain in his job. But that's just the kind of guy that he is. Um, and just a great dude. And what a lot of people might not know is he's been on the NCAA stats committee for, I mean, if you watch any, if you watch the final four in the last, I don't know, 25, 30 years, if you look really closely, you'll see Kenny Klein sitting on the sideline yeah. at the scorer's table because he's been, the, you know, with the NCAA committee and uh, keeping stats for the final four for forever. So just a good guy. And it's a huge loss. I mean, you know, yeah. uh, selfishly a huge loss for us because I had such a good relationship with him and he's just such a good guy. But, the, you know, the SIDs out there are the lifeblood for getting information out, not just, you know, selfishly like, oh, we need a good story, but they help tell the story of, of their sports um, right. at the university. And uh, Kenny Klein was a master at that. He's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, that's right. And and fans, not to be preaching at him, but, but should appreciate the fact that he helps keep people like you and me straight when it comes to being accurate and being honest. And ultimately, it's it's the viewers and readers who benefit from that. Uh, John, my apologies. I've got about 90 seconds left. And we'll reconnect with you on the Leach Report because of our technical issues. But uh, real quickly, what do you think of what you've seen from Kenny Payne so far? He's made some, some I think, some home run hires, hasn't he? Well, I mean, you look at Danny Manning uh, as an assistant. You look at Nolan Smith as an assistant. And now the recent, you know, hire from Oregon. I think absolutely. I think he. There are a lot of, um, a lot of bases that he is. He's trying to cover there with his staff. And and the thing is, and I, I think I actually said this to uh, uh, to Tom Leach uh, uh, recently that I, I was talking to some Kentucky fans in Indianapolis, and they said they were hope. You know, they hope that Kenny Payne does a really good job at Louisville. Uh, except when they play UK, and to hear UK fans say that a U of L coach, they hope he does well. Well, yeah. now, I mean that's saying something. That's how much of a mark that he left with UK. But he he has really started off well, and I have not heard one thing from the fan base that has complained anything yet about Kenny Payne. Now, when he loses that first game, maybe. But so far, <laughs> I think he is he's won the press conference every time, yeah. and uh, and with these hires, I mean it just it just seems like he's poised to turn that program around yeah and they'll knock heads when it comes to recruiting but that's all part of it and and you know he's a class act so uh but if anybody could reinvigorate the uk L series it's kenny yeah. but uh, it's also as you said going to come back to the the wins and losses and when when that all begins to play out fans they kind of revert and they become fans don't they john lewis w well we know what fan is short for right exactly right that would be fanatic john thanks so much <laughs> and we'll catch up soon Appreciate it. All right. Sorry about the technical difficulties. No, I'm sure it's my hazard end. phone that I have end. here. Thanks so much. That's John Lewis, WDRB, and we're back in a minute here on the Leach Report. This is where the Big Blue Nation gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio. Thanks again to our guests this morning here on the Leach Report. 
Van Hiles, former football Wildcat, Rachel Lawson, Kentucky softball coach, John Lewis from WDRB. And again, uh, if you don't file, uh, follow Van Hiles on Twitter, I urge you to find him, vstyle17. He breaks down plays and games and, and, and presents video, and it's really interesting. You always learn some football from Van, and it's not always about just defense, in fact. Uh, and he is quite frank and, uh, and open and honest with what he likes and dislikes about what he sees from the football Wildcats. And as we mentioned earlier, softball is wrapping up the regular season this weekend at John Crop Stadium here in Lexington as the Wildcats take on Mississippi State. And as Rachel Lawson pointed out, they're on the bubble right now for hosting. That Missouri series uh, was, was really damaging. Missouri came in with a conference record of 5-9 and nine and swept the Wildcats, who were 9-6 and six at the time. So I assume Kentucky would have at least... 11 conference wins and move out of that middle of the pack situation in the SEC and give itself a really good shot at hosting once again. But uh, if the Cats can finish strongly, they can still they can still host a regional and then they'll get a shot at a super regional. And what's fun about this is when Rachel Lawson first got here, the notion of Kentucky even hosting a softball regional, I won't say it was laughable, but it was something that we in the media, and I'm sure fans never really thought about, but once they began to succeed, it was almost a given. And then the Super Regionals come in, and they make the College World Series back in 2014. They haven't been back to Oklahoma City yet. Of course, that's the goal, but it, it's always easier to do it, of course, when you host and when you can even host a Super Regional. So uh, it's a big weekend for the Wildcats. I didn't get a chance to talk uh, to John about soccer. He has been on the soccer uh, beat a little bit for WDRB over in Louisville. We're getting a, a pro soccer team here, not the same level as what they have in Louisville, but it is growing. There's no question about that. Uh, it's never going to overtake, you know, the, the American-based sports, like uh, especially football and uh, baseball, that kind of thing. But uh, I know it draws in Louisville, and I expect it will draw in Lexington as well. Thanks so much to all of our guests. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to Shannon the Dude. He and Billy Rutledge are up next right here. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow The Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to leachreport at gmail.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.